cliffcentral.com You are listening to one of my favorite podcasts The Brain and the Brand Show with Timothy Maurice Hey guys, thanks for joining me. I'm Timothy Maurice, a four times best-selling author in the area of behavioral psychology. Welcome to The Brain and Brand Show where my goal is to take you on a journey between neurons and narratives offering you insights about how your brain works in order to help you position your personal or organization's brand. This episode is part two of our Brain Power series with neurologist Dr. Kirti Ranchai, where she shares tips on achieving elite brain performance. Okay, 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 wait, let me confess. Dr. Ranchai and I never intended to do part two, but the response to our first conversation last week was so positive we decided to do a follow-up to help you move from boosting your brain power to positioning your brain for elite mental performance. Before I get into our enriching chat, I want to share a behavioral science idea you can incorporate into your life right away, which will ease your brain load and nudge you towards your desired outcomes. I call it designing your second brain. The principle is simple. By designing your environment, you can influence your unconscious mind in two distinct ways. Firstly, helping you preserve energy, and secondly, causing you to behave in ways that are in line with your goals. You may be doing this already. Here's an example. Every day when you put your keys in the same place, this is second brain design. You are creating a second brain pattern in your home so that you don't have to spend energy thinking about where your keys are. Now, if you don't put your keys in the same place and you spend even four minutes looking for them, this is not only wasted energy, energy you could be spending on other goals, but it also elevates stress levels. Beyond saving energy, designing your environment influences the non-conscious as follows. If I place a water bottle in the bathroom or the first place I go when I wake up, I can trigger myself to start the day drinking more water, which is a goal you should be incorporating into your life, by the way, especially if you're serious about brain performance. Anyway. Other simple ways you can design your environment is to place symbols and items in the path that prompt you towards positive action. I place my running shoes next to my bed. If as I'm making up my bed, I can link running to that process, my brain sees waking up and running in the same pattern, nudging me towards exercise versus having my shoes buried in the closet, out of sight, out of mind. You get the point. You see, I designed my schedule, environment, and even desktop icons to influence me in the direction of my goals and dreams. I hope this helps. Now, let's connect with neurologist Dr. Kirti Ranchad for this episode around achieving elite brain performance. Enjoy. Kirti Rancho, thank you so much for joining us again on the Brain and Brand Show. It's great being back. Our previous episode was such a hit that I thought, let's take this conversation to the next level and give people an opportunity and an option to pursue whatever elite means to them to enhance their brain performance. And you have three skills for us today. Let's start with number one. The first one I wanted to discuss was self-efficacy. So self-efficacy is really the belief that you are able to achieve a goal or complete a task. And why does this become important? Um, I'm going to use an example relevant to me, but I'm sure people all over have examples relevant to them. So I'm going to take the Comrades Marathon as an example. I firmly believe I cannot 
complete this marathon. And because I believe that, I do absolutely nothing. Let's <laughs> yeah. say this had changed. Exactly. Let's say this had changed. Let's say I believed within two years I would be able to complete the Comrades Marathon. What would I do then? I would buy the right running shoes. I would find somebody who could train me. I would start running. I would change my diet. I would enter half marathons, marathons before an ultra marathon. And this really is the concept of self-efficacy. When you believe that you are able to reach your goal, complete a task, you start taking the small steps in order to complete it. For example, if I want to be a best-selling author on the New York Times, if I don't believe it's possible because I'm based at the bottom of the world in South Africa and I don't believe it's possible, then I'm just not going to activate and I'm not going to put things in motion. You're basically saying that the moment you have this belief, you can begin to start putting things in motion? Exactly. So our beliefs are either going to limit us or they're going to encourage us. We can use this to our advantage. Now, again, it's not as simple as saying, okay, I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to use the same example of the Comrades Marathon. If I decide I want to run the Comrades Marathon and I give myself a month training and then I go and run the Comrades Marathon, what's going to happen? I'm going to reinforce the belief that I could not run the Comrades Marathon, right? So I had Correct. to start small, start with small, sure steps and build up to this seemingly unachievable goal. If I started at the end point, I would fail and I would reinforce the belief that I couldn't do it. That makes complete sense. What happens in your nervous system when you start this belief thing? I often find that when people are aware of how a particular skill impacts their brain and impacts their nervous system, that they take it more seriously. You know, if you've got a motivational speaker who stands up and goes, you can do it, just believe in yourself, self-efficacy, that's one thing. But the primary goal for having you specifically as a thought leader contributor to the Brain and Brand Show is that you can marry the skill with what happens to people because I want people to know that this is a neurological benefit. In terms of self-efficacy, it's part of the motivation network in the brain. So how do we motivate ourselves? But if you think about it a little more laterally, in terms of actually achieving those goals, within Motivation Network, there's an interplay with the parts of your brain that are responsible for critical thinking, for planning, judgment, and with the emotional centers of the brain. It's a little more complicated than just one circuitry, but you have different parts of the brain all being activated in order for you to achieve your goal, in essence. So you activate certain regions or a number of regions, and they integrate to create this whole kind of contribution to what you're trying to accomplish. A lot of what we do in terms of brain function is not isolated to one part of the brain. A simple thing like deciding that you are going to chop a piece of wood is going to activate the motor center of the brain, the sensory center of the brain, the memory centers of the brain, and even an emotional response if you've done this before and was associated with a specific memory. So it is really integrating different functions. And within the realm of what I was speaking in terms of self-efficacy, it is about a specific goal that you want to achieve. Got it. What I really like about this skill, number one, is that operating at an elite level definitely requires belief. A lot of my focus is actually on how to keep the brain healthy and on memory. 
And why I found the concept of self-efficacy important is because often I would meet people who would say they just don't have a good memory and then it would end there because now you're not going to take the steps to improve your memory. If you weren't limited by that belief, would you take the steps necessary? Would you improve your brain function? We're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt you guys. Before we finish part two and part three, remember to listen to last week's conversation with Dr. Ranchard. Here's a snippet. That's precisely it. So functional MRI images have shown that the parts of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, responsible for reasoning, judgment, uh, critical thinking, switches off in that initial phase of romantic love. Um, and the anxiety part of the brain, so part of the amygdala, switch off in the, in the romantic stages of love. And that just made so much sense when I read it. I was like, oh, wow, this is biological. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so you've given yourself a break for not thinking critically while you're in love. Exactly. It's justified <laughs> all those decisions I've made. Okay, now back to the episode. Number two. Yes. Number two is self-awareness. Again, important. Firstly, because what I've said in terms of the first one is a belief. Now, they need to be small, sure steps, let's say, and you don't need to consciously break them down into steps. I'm just, I'm just using it as an example. But let's say you have 10 steps in order to reach your goal and you fail at step three. You need a degree of self-awareness to understand why you fail, what you need to change. Which brings me to the third point, which is adaptability, but we'll go into that in a little more detail as, as we proceed in the, in the discussion. The awareness gives you the insights into what you need to do to achieve your goal. So if I could already run a marathon or if I could already run, maybe all I needed were better shoes or a better trainer to complete the comrades marathon. But if I didn't understand okay. myself, it would make all of this a lot more difficult. And so to refer back to the discussion we had last week in terms of understanding self and the power of art in terms of activating those networks or meditation in terms of activating those net networks, understanding self allows us to problem solve with regard to self. So then the decisions we make, the choices we make help us in terms of improving our performance, reaching our goals, whatever it may be. The third one is adaptability, um, and I mentioned that before. So once we know what works for us and what doesn't work for us, we need to adapt. So with regard to all of these, there's factors within our control and there's factors that are beyond our control. If I had started training for the comrades in 2018 with the plan to run in 2020, pandemic happened, lockdown happened. Do I still say doesn't matter. I am going to run this comrades marathon or do I need to adapt? Do I need to use the skills I acquired to do something else? Do I need to run a virtual marathon? Do I need to say, okay, I will plan for 2021. So we have to, despite the goals we set, allow ourselves to adapt given circumstance because not everything is in our control. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and this is a critical point in history where being able to be agile and adapt is vital, right? Exactly. All right. These are very clear, very straight to the point. I think you would like to share with us a bit more about boosting our memory as well. Right. So like I say, part of what I'm doing is focusing on how to protect your memory, how to keep your brain healthy. And these are three skills that can help you with regard to your memory, but 
also with regard to other brain functions or other functions that you want to improve, such as critical thinking, creative thinking. So it depends how you want to use it. I'm going to use memory as an example for this discussion. Um, okay. I wonder if you would share a, a memory from, let's say, 20 years ago. Something You would like me to share a memory yeah. from 20 years ago? I would like ago. you to share memory. Yes. Yeah. 20 years ago, I was studying my undergrad and I was working. I would leave school at around 3 p.m. and I would work about six or seven hours at U.S. Airways in the, U in the United States. The role for my job was to route air cargo. So if somebody brought a lion and they wanted to fly it from New York to L.A., our team would weigh it, look at the insurance, you know, send it through the best possible airport route. And so I had one time when we had to route a, a, a deceased person and it really, really freaked me out to a point where I really struggled to do that job afterwards because no one briefed me that we would have, you know, deceased people underneath the plane. And so right. I really struggled and I had to go back and spend time with my boss and really talk about, you know, do I really want to do this job knowing that this is a big part of it? So is there a specific day that you remember? When you did this, when you went to speak to your boss. Yeah, it would have been on a Friday. I had a long week of school. And remember, studying in the morning from like 8 a.m. to like 2 p.m. and then going to work at 3 p.m. I just remember at the end of this week, I was exhausted. I was emotional. And I was like, I'm not sure I can continue to do this. Exactly. Now, isn't this intriguing? You do remember the specific day 20 years ago. You remember who you spoke to. You remember what you spoke about, right? Do you remember the next day? I don't remember the details. I mean, obviously it was a Saturday. I wouldn't know what I did know. No. What I'm trying to point to here is why you specifically remember that day. Because we all had them, right? Um, I remember first elections vividly, vividly. But I do not remember the day after our election. And so what it is, is there's something novel. There's something emotionally significant. And because of this, we repeat it, right? In this loop in our head. We reinforce this memory. And we retell the story, which means we are activating this memory pathway and allowing our memory to develop for that particular event, which gives us okay. the clue on how to remember better. Mm, so if you wanted to improve your memory, it needed to be novel. You needed to make it emotionally significant on some level, even if it's contrived, introduce an element of repetition in order to consolidate that memory. So in essence, training the memory circuitry in order to remember better. So this is perfect because if I want to go onto a webinar and I want to have the ability to recall information quicker and not refer to my notes, if I want to speak and operate at an elite level by training the memory circuits, incorporating novelty, etc., that specifically is what enables me to operate at an elite level by leveraging my memory. Exactly, exactly. So it's those different components and using them in a way to actually boost your memory. All right. Thank you so much, Kirti. We really appreciate your contribution to the Brain and Brand Show. And maybe at some point we'll do part three of this. Yes. Let's see what happens. To connect with Kirti, to see more about the work she offers, go to www.memorability.co, not .com, .co. Please share this episode with someone you care about and remember to rate us. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.